Bless our teacher today, Lord. Anoint him in the name of Jesus to allow him to be used by you today. Even bless the readers today, Lord. Help us to read, Lord, like, like never before. Lord, I'm asking you a touch right now in the name of Jesus. Give our brothers and sisters traveling mercies today as they travel. Oh, Lord, I'm just asking today we even rejoice even in traveling today. Oh, Lord, that your presence is there. Oh, Father, I'm asking you just do a mighty work in, on this Sabbath day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have fresh coffee over here, by the way. If anybody wants any coffee. <laughs> oh, okay. Not doing caffeine. Not doing it. I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to cut out diet sodas because that's not good for you. I went to see the doctor last week or this week. Last week, yeah. Today's the first day of the week. Oh, right, yeah. But after that, when I stopped that caffeine, I am, I'm, everything's unstopped. I feel so much better. And so I, I suggest that you do that if you have trouble. Good suggestion. <laughs> I'll probably get a coffee in a little bit. You want me to get you some? Yeah, if you would. You know how I like it. Oh, I've got something in my pocket you can use. Okay, so we're continuing on our story of the Old Testament, and so this is different lessons than what we're used to. Usually we have only one chapter or so, but uh, we're going to be taking the whole Pentateuch today, just about, <laughs> except for Genesis, because we had Genesis last Sunday, and we ran out of time before we got to the story of Joseph, which is very important because God used Joseph to really help preserve the nation. If it wasn't for Joseph, the nation would have been defeated there in Canaan during that severe famine, because it was, it was a famine not only in Canaan, but all, all over the known world back then. It, it was a very severe famine. But God sent Joseph ahead of that famine to prepare uh, storage houses for those that could come and uh, receive food 
from all the nations that were around there. So it wasn't just Egypt that he took care of, but he took care of a lot of nations there that they owe to Joseph for his wisdom as God showed him in that dream of Pharaoh that there was going to be seven years of famine. And uh, first there'd be seven years of plenty, but then there'd be seven years of famine. And as far as end times, it seems like that also applies to the world today, that, that God is giving us a lot of prosperity and blessings now, but there's going to be seven years of tribulations going to come on this world that uh, will cause a lot of destruction and famine. So uh, anyway, uh, so we're looking at the story of the Old Testament, and the story is of redemption, how that God promised Adam and Eve there in the garden, you know, that a redeemer was going to come of the seed of woman. And so we know that it was a prophecy concerning Christ who would be born of a virgin of the seed of woman that would bring about deliverance. And uh, so then Genesis closes out with the story of Joseph. And then in Exodus, we find there was a dynasty change, that there was a new pharaoh that did not know Joseph after Joseph had died. And of course, when he died, he told the nation of Israel to not bury him there in Egypt. He said, just uh, take my bones with you when God delivers you. Because he knew the prophecy that God gave Abraham that after 400 years of the nation being in, in uh, Egypt, God was going to send a deliverer and they would go out from there. So he said, take my bones with you. So they had the, that, uh, whatever you call it, a ossuary or something of his bones that they carried with them all through the 40 years in the wilderness. And finally, he got buried there in Israel when they went into the promised land. So last week, we talked about the beginning of the story of the Bible. By the way, you, it, it's something to think about how that there was no written Bible until Moses came along. So throughout the book of Genesis, they didn't have a written Bible. And so all these Bible stories you have in Genesis, they just had oral tradition that was passed down from father to son and so forth that they heard about creation that way and some of these stories of Noah and the flood and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and uh, Joseph, of course. And so they were passed on orally, but there was no written Bible until Moses came along, and he was at least 40 or almost 80 years, whoop, past 80 years old when he started writing the word there in Mount Sinai when God told him, write what I tell you. <laughs> and so uh, God gave him the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So we're going to be looking at some of the story in Exodus today. And uh, Moses, of course, was preserved as a baby by um, 
his mom putting him in a basket and floating him down the river. He was supposed to be cast in the river, but Moses' mom preserved him by putting him in a basket in the river, and it went by where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing, so she heard a baby crying, so uh, in her mothering heart, even though she probably wasn't a mother at that time, she felt for that baby that was crying, and, and so Moses' sister was along watching what would happen, and so she said, you want me to go get a Hebrew mom to nurse it for you? <laughs> she said, yes, please, and so, of course, she brought her own mom, and so she had the privilege of nursing Moses, and that could be up to six years back then for what they call nursing. And uh, so uh, not only did she get to nurse him, she was paid to do it by, by, by Farrell. Farrell had to pay her to do that for his daughter. Or the daughter paid for it, but anyways, they, she was paid to nurse Moses. And of course, she must have instilled in him about Israel somehow, and uh, and the fact that he was a Jew and a Hebrew, uh, so that when he became about forty years of age, he was concerned about how his people were being treated, and he saw one Egyptian really being. Uh, hard on one of the Hebrews and so he went and killed that uh, Egyptian and the next day some Hebrews were arguing and he said your brethren why are you arguing <laughs> you know and they said well you're going to kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday so he found out that it was known what he had done and so for his life he fled to a place in the wilderness called Meridian. I mean, not Meridian. Uh, is it on here? <laughs> no. Midian. There we go. Thank you. Uh, I hadn't had my coffee yet. <laughs> well, I did too. At, at the house, I had a little. But anyway, uh, while he was there, all of a sudden, he sees a sight after being there about 40 years. He probably thought, well, I, I'm retired here. I've got a wife and two kids, you know, and so he, he had it made. But God came on the scene and talked to him that Sherry's going to read to us about there in Exodus 3, 1 through 10. This is in the NIV. Um, now the serpent, wait, sorry. Okay. <laughs> there might have been a serpent out there in the all wilderness. This time, all this time I had it over in Genesis. Okay. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the holy place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of Israel Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way of the Egyptians that the Egyptians are oppressing them so now go I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites out of Egypt all right good reading thank you Sherry so uh, as she was reading there we see that it introduces us to Moses call to deliver his people he tried to do it himself in his own strength earlier, you know, well, but maybe I can deliver them myself. And really, uh, politically, you'd think, well, he's in a good position. He's, he's next to Pharaoh, you know. He's Pharaoh's son, adopted son, but, but he, he could get on the throne after Pharaoh dies, and then he could just set the Israelites free. But God's plan was not for Moses to s deliver the children of Israel. He wanted to deliver the children of Israel, but he used Moses to bring the message to Pharaoh, as we know in the story of Moses going before Pharaoh. But here, of course, was his call first that he received while he was just taking care of his sheep. You know, he was a shepherd there working in the wilderness and he saw a sight that caught his eye there was this bush on fire now a bush on fire was not unusual in the desert because sometimes lightning would strike a bush or just the heat of the sun you know you can you can start a fire just with the sun if you have a magnifying glass you know <laughs> and let the sun go through but this was different because even though he had seen bushes probably on fire, this bush wasn't being consumed. It was just burning without being burned up. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of good sermons about how that if God can use a bush, he can use you, you know, and uh, how true that is. He can use a donkey. He can use anything, you know. That And so Moses now had been 
in the desert for 40 years, and he was 40 when he left to go to the desert, so that puts him at 80 years old. And so he felt like he was retired, you know, <laughs> but God didn't say he could retire. Instead, he had a great work for him to do. And uh, so he told him that he wanted him to go to Pharaoh because the Lord had heard the cry of his people and the oppression that they were under, and he wanted to set them free. So he said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And, uh, of course, we know Moses kind of hesitated, and he said, you know, well, I'm not a great speaker, and uh, you, you probably need to send someone else. <laughs> no, if the Lord calls you, he doesn't have anyone else in mind. And uh, so... It, it doesn't do any good to argue with the Lord. And uh, so anyway, God said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll let Aaron speak for you if you don't feel like you could speak. And so we find that God sent Aaron to him, and uh, he went with him to Pharaoh. So then we find that after God chooses a leader there that she read about, we go to Exodus 12, which is the end of these plagues that God sent on Pharaoh because Pharaoh said, I don't know the Lord. Why should I obey him? Well, the Lord was fixing to introduce himself to him, and, and he, he found out that water can turn to blood, that frogs can come everywhere, and, and lice, and... Uh, all these plagues, you know, that God sent. And so there was Pharaoh still hardened his heart, wouldn't let him go. If he let him go when the frogs came, they would have been delivered by the frogs. But God wanted them to be delivered by the blood of the lamb. And so uh, in Exodus 12, uh, Liz is going to read to us in 23 through 31 what God did for Israel in delivering them. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is sacrifice of the Lord, Passover, the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel, Egypt, of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshiped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne unto the firstborn of the captives that was in the dungeon, and on all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there, there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get ye forth from among my people, both ye 
and the children of Israel and go serve the Lord as ye have said. So after nine plagues, God was going to send one more. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He wouldn't let him go. And so God said, well, I'm going to visit you at midnight, and your son is going to die. And all the sons that were firstborn will die at midnight. And uh, some say the death angel came, but... The Lord kept saying, I'm going to do it. I will visit. And he says, what you're to do is take a lamb and, and put the blood upon the doorpost. Oh, that's no good. See, this will bleed. Sorry about that. And on the two sides. And of course we know that that would symbolize the cross. Because the lamb had the blood on his forehead with the crown of thorns. And on his two hands. And on his feet as well. But uh, they couldn't put the blood on the, on the bottom. Because then you tread over the blood to walk in. And, but it, it was a symbol of the cross when God would send himself as the lamb of god to take away the sins of the world and so he said there in the 13th verse that when i see the blood i will pass over you so that's where we get the word pass over and where from generation to generation as as not sherry but as Alyssa read there that they were to keep this passover every year of course, they didn't faithfully keep it, we know, every year, but they had to get back to it sometimes. Like in Joshua, they had not had the Passover for a while, and so they needed to keep it. <coughs> so God wanted them to have a reminder of that great deliverance that he did for them when he let them be free from Israel and what a what a mourning and cry was throughout Egypt there where there wasn't blood on their doorposts because it said there was not a house where there was not one dead and uh, of course firstborn is the eldest is, and so uh, he wasn't killing the babies he it was the firstborn and uh, they and it wasn't just in the people, but also in their cattle and and all their uh, livestock. And so, what a night of of mourning. Uh, so, Pharaoh, it says, rose up in the night, and and he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, "Get out of here." Both ye and the children of Israel, go serve the Lord, as she has said. We don't find where Pharaoh was really converted to, to believe in the Lord. And we know the story, how that they left, but they came to the Red Sea, and they couldn't go any further because of the Red Sea be, 
before them. And so Pharaoh's army came after them again. And uh, so he lost his whole army that night when, or that day when they went through the Red Sea that was divided. See how hardened people's hearts could be. Here they saw such a great miracle. I would have loved to have been there to see that sea divide like it did, you know. I, just, I get thrilled just watching it on the movie, you know, the, the Ten Commandments. <coughs> and uh, we sing about it all the time. Here at the church here, we sing, he split the sea so we could walk right through it, you know. And so what a w wonderful deliverance that was. But they were delivered by the blood of the Lamb. And so then after they went into the wilderness, they needed to have some direction and guidance. And so he, uh, in Exodus 19, we find where um, God is going to talk to them about um, a covenant that he wants to have with them in 1 through 8. We've got another good reader here. Opal's going to read for us there. You don't have much light. <laughs> I have light. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai, Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called to the, to the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Thank you, Opal. So he's getting ready to make a covenant with this new nation. And he said, this is going to be a different nation than all the nations. I'm calling you to be a holy nation. And I believe God called America to be a righteous nation at first. And we have drifted away just like we know Israel later on drifted away and went into idolatry, so God had to send them into captivity. And um, finally they got the message. God doesn't like idols <laughs> because 
we know that they represent false gods and God is the only true God they're only to worship him and so that's uh, was preparation uh, on three days from where she read there God himself was going to come down on the mountain there and it came to pass on the third day in the morning there were thunders and lightnings a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of a trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Sometimes people wish that they could hear the audible voice of God. I don't think that's a good idea because uh, it will cause you to tremble, I guarantee you. Uh, but it just shows what a mighty God he is. And so he wanted to impress the nation that was being formed that um, he is the only true God and the mighty God, and they needed to reverential fear him. When it says fear the Lord, it's talking about reverence on the, to the Lord, not being afraid of him, but really being reverent before him. And so it says that he brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And, uh, of course, God began to speak to them the Ten Commandments. And um, the people came to Moses and said, Please, don't let the Lord speak to us. You go speak to him and then come and tell us and, and we'll, we'll do what he said were to do and then you have the 20th chapter where we're more familiar with the Ten Commandments but at first God gave this demonstration of his power and might to them and so then he could uh, start out by saying I am the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage and thou shalt have no other gods before me and he talks against the images and so forth and so he gives them the Ten Commandments in the 20th chapter but even though he's a mighty strong God he's a very loving God and so in Deuteronomy the seventh chapter in 1 through 11 I think we can work that in brother Thurman And when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and had cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Gerzites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mighty than thou. And when thou Lord and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou uh, make marriages with them. Thy daughters thou shalt not give unto thy sons, nor his daughters shalt thou take unto thy sons. And uh, for they will turn away thy sons from following me, and they shall serve other gods. 
so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them, and ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord shall, the Lord, the Lord thy God shall, has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord shall not set his love upon you. The Lord, the Lord did not set his love upon you, right? Nor chose you because ye were more in numbers than any people. For ye were the fierce among all people. Keep going. Uh, but because the Lord, but because the Lord loved you, and because He uh, would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen. For the hands of Pharaoh, from the hands of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generation, and repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slacked to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Last verse. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Good reading. Thank you, brother. Especially going through all those ites. <laughs> Someone said we still have those parasites, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, it's beautiful that key verse, you know, because the Lord loved you, the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you, because he said it wasn't because you were a large number of people, you were really one of the fewer numbers of all the people, but he's, the difference is the Lord loved them, <laughs> and the Lord is a covenant-keeping God. We may break the covenant, but he never breaks any covenant. And so this is one reason why Israel's over in the land where they are today, because he made that promise to Abraham that that land would be Israel's, that it belongs to Israel. And um, even though they were scattered for thousands, uh, th not a thousand, but... Uh, many hundreds of years almost, God is bringing them all back now to that land of Israel. And, and so we know that truly uh, he is a covenant-keeping God. What he has promised, he fulfills. Um, so it's, it's amazing that the true story of the Old Testament and the New Testament is God's love for his people. And we are his people also, 
because of Christ. We're of the seed of Abraham. And so through Christ, we also are blessed with Father Abraham because he's the father of the faithful. And we might get the next one. Uh, Others see the power of Israel's God. And uh, this is after God had given a miraculous deliverance of Jericho into the hands of Joshua. Speaking of Joshua, his name means salvation. And uh, it's a derivative of uh, yes. Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Jesus is the Greek name, but the Hebrew name is Yeshua. And so it, uh, when it translates there, that uh, speaking of, of Joshua bringing the children of Israel into the promised land, it says Jesus brought them into the promised land when it translates into Greek. <coughs> so we know the name Joshua is the same as Jesus, and but it's, of course, two different people, but uh, he's a type of Christ, and this is one reason why Moses wasn't allowed to bring the children of Israel into the promised land, because Moses represented the law, and the law cannot bring us into God's promised land, and instead, it's Christ that brings us into the promised land, our, our Joshua. And uh, so uh, we know that Moses had failed to really glorify God at that rock, you know, that he was speak to instead of smiting because the rock represented Christ. And he was smitten once, but he's not going to be smitten again. When he comes back, he's not coming as a lamb to be slain. He's coming back as the lion of Judah and he's going to be doing the slaying, right? But anyway, um, so that's the reason God told him that he wouldn't be able to enter the promised land. But uh, spiritually, however you want to say it, uh, since Moses represented the law, the law couldn't bring them in. But grace brings them in, or Joshua our Joshua brings them in. So anyway, after they defeated uh, Jericho, then they uh, had a little problem with Ai because someone had sinned there in, in coveting something they shouldn't have coveted uh, when uh, they took Jericho. And so they were defeated at first when they went to Ai. But after they got rid of the sin that was in the camp, then they saw victory. And uh, our armies haven't really seen a lot of victory since we've allowed abortions and, and things that are an abomination to God. Uh, we're fighting wars that we're not winning. <coughs> and that's what happened. They went to fight AI and they couldn't win it. But the neighboring country of Gibeah heard how that they had destroyed Israel and, and I mean not Israel, but Jericho and Ai. So 
they they thought they were next on the list so that they needed to do something to spare their lives. And that's what Sherry's going to read us real quick. Joshua 9, 1 through 9. Okay. Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, the kings in the hill country, in the western foothills and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings, uh, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, or whatever they are, and Havites and Jebusites, <coughs> they came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. However, when the people of uh, Gibeon heard that Joshua had what they had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a, a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded and worn out sacks, old wine skin, cracked and mended, and they put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. And all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, and they said to him, and the Israelites, I've come from, I said, we have come from a distant country. Uh, make a treaty with us. And the Israelites said to the Havites, but perhaps you live near us, so how can we make a treaty with you? Well, we are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, who are you and where do you come from? And they answered, your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. fooled Joshua and the people by thinking that they had come from a long ways, you know, when they were really next door almost. <laughs> and uh, so in a way they were clever, you know, to really show, well, our bread was fresh when we left, now it's moldy, you know. And, and uh, so instead of inquiring of the Lord, they just looked at the circumstances and and it reminds us of what happened with Isaac, you know, when he felt uh, Jacob and thought it was uh, Esau. And so it's dangerous to uh, go by feelings instead of faith. We're out of time, I know. And so anyway, uh, we... We find where Joshua is about to die in Joshua 24, and he says, Now look, Israel, you're going to have to decide what you're going to do. Are you going to serve idols or are you going to serve the Lord? And he said, As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word and for your love for us, and, and thank you, Lord, for your love for America. And we pray that you will be with this coming election. and and that you will help your people, Lord, to pray and to vote as they need to, and to not just sit at home. And we praise you for it, and bless the service to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, readers. You all did good. Amen. You can hear yourself on, on the computer now. <laughs>